Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, February 28, 2024. <clears throat> Today we are reading from the big book, and we're currently on page six in Bill's story. Uh, we are on the first paragraph, and it begins, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning. And Nancy's going to end with, so two bottles and two donuts and oblivion, right? Uh, <laughs> comments on the one paragraph. Uh, <clears throat> today's readers, we have Sherry S. on the 12 steps, and Carmela G. is going to do the 12 traditions. The readers of the text are Nancy P. and Vanessa G. The, uh, let me give you the share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, February 27th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. That number is 21,172. That's 21172. The 10 a.m. meeting for yesterday, 21,173. 21173. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. We neither solicit nor accept outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, uh, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, and that is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating, they can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask uh, Sherry S. to please read the 12 steps. Sherry, good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sherry S. I'm calling in from Deerfield Beach, Florida. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our, our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to be of service and being part of Team Wednesday for the month of February. Thank you, Sherry. 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 Thank you, Sherry.
Oh, thank you, Sherry. We appreciate your service. So next up, uh, Carmela, would you read the 12 traditions for us, Carmela G? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Carmela G, gratefully recovered in New York. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Uh, Thank you so much, Carmela. So here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, Uh, Then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I'll give you a heads up on that. Uh, Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers, it's six months. There is absolutely no requirement for sharing on topic or abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions uh, in the big book uh, mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. And then, of course, uh, press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're, we are, are back in the big book on page uh, six in Bill's story. Um, Nancy's going to read the first paragraph. It begins the remorse, horror, and hopelessness uh, just through the, the, uh, the first paragraph that ends with uh, so two bottles and oblivion. 
So I'll pass it off to Nancy. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Larry. Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dared cross the street lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck, for it was scarcely daylight. <clears throat> Excuse me. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. Uh, I mean, remorse, horror, and hopelessness are like the cover charge to get into this bar that I live in. I, 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 was, I felt one, the other, or all three every minute of every day. I mean, I always think about, even in my sleeping moments, talk about the doctor's opinion. You know, he, he thought about how to help people even in the sleeping moments. I felt terrible. Even my dreams were terrible. My living, my waking hours were terrible. And I was just so afraid. And, um, you know, the, my, uh, you know, every, no, all pain is created equal. I don't want to make my pain seem worse than anybody else's because I really believe that all pain is created equal because it all leads to the refrigerator or the cabinet. But, I was in a pretty pretty dark place, and um, you know, I I didn't even know that I was there. It talks about the courage to do battle, um, and I I couldn't I couldn't muster the the reserves. You know, I couldn't I couldn't get up to fight another day. The only thing that I could get up to do is eat. You know, drive to work. I was thinking about it. I'm looking out my window now. Going, I go up my hill and then down my hill to work, and at that the downhill corner, there's the Dunkin' Donuts. Every day I would stop there and get a dozen donuts to eat on my way to work. And it, towards the end, I couldn't get six miles to my job without stopping twice for that. And, um, you know, I, I just felt like such a failure all the time. And, the, you know, endlessly, like a pinball, you know, a pinball, like bang, 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 bang. You know, remorse, heart, and hopelessness are all three. And it was it was just hanging over me all the time, this terrible sense of impending calamity. And and then the calamity, you know, that was when my daughter was, was cutting herself up and burning herself. And um, and then something, that would, you know, that would flare up and I'd get, you know, a call at work. You've got to come and get her and, you know, take her to a hospital and in the middle of the night and in the, you know, early in the morning, in the middle of the day, it just didn't matter. And I couldn't get away from it. And any time that I tried to, you know, go to a meeting or tell my sponsor who loved me through all this, you know, she she couldn't help me. And 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 it was only when I was face down in the mud, not on my knees. If getting on my knees would have worked, I always say this, I would have cut my legs off at the knees. I couldn't fill my tank with what I perceived was the spiritual solution because it didn't work for me. And I tried for a long time and I tried consistently and I tried hard. And um you know, my vision sponsor that took me through the steps, she didn't care about my daughter. She didn't care about me. She cared about the message in the book. And, um, I mean, she might not, she might have cared about me, but she didn't act that way. <laughs> but I could tell. Um, but, you know, and, and, you know, my life was so painful that it got worse and worse and worse. So I get this, two bottles in oblivion, more progression. He started out like barely being able to think or write at a final at law school or, university to you know oblivion my life was so painful that donuts were the only thing that was going to fix it and and 
you know, salty, crunchy things in the afternoon on the way home would fix it. And I felt like it was in a blender, you know, talk about the the fervor of drowned men. That's I, I almost drowned once and I felt like I was in a blender or a food processor. The ocean was having its way with me. And, um, you know, I'd eat and my writhing nerves would be stilled at last until I finished, until I swallowed. And then they would be writhing again and I would have to take another bite. And, you know, I came out of that fog my dear friend that I've been friends with since I was 19, I just turned 64 the other day, and um, she helped me. And she um, told me about this meeting. And, and, you know, this meeting is a healthy meeting. We all know that it's a great meeting. But she didn't know that I was going to change completely. I didn't know that I was going to change completely. I couldn't have even fathomed it. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have even imagined in my wildest dreams what was going to happen to me. And it started with one thing. You know, I threw up my hands. I said, I don't know. And just please, just tell me. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And um, that was the beginning of my of my final surrender. And the howling and howling and howling with all those feelings that were simultaneously poisoning me and alienating me from people that I loved and who loved me were gone. And um, And, you know, and I've... I haven't had to hurt myself with food in almost six and a half years. You know, I help other people. I'm happy, joyous, and free. I comprehend the word serenity, and I know peace today. And that is for everybody. There's enough to go around for everybody, more than enough. Everybody gets what I have. I have what everybody else gets. We all help each other. And, um, you know, talking to other compulsive overeaters is the most effective thing that I do of all the things that I do in my life, not just in the program. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. So um, surrender, 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 everybody. You'll be surprised. And with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you so much, Nancy, for getting us started. And uh, although we, we, we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day so others can jump in as well. Uh, so if you shared Monday or Tuesday this week, we, we ask you to step back if you would. And um, with that, um, let's take names. Um, who would like to share? Christina J. Carolina. Angie. Loretta A. Loretta P. Loretta. Nancy R. Nancy. Reva P. Nancy. Yeah, here's who I heard. Christina, Ann, Loretta, Reva, Nancy R. Who did I miss? Christina J. Uh, Oh, Christina, I had you at the top of the list. Christina, Ann, Loretta, Reva, Nancy. Yep. Anybody else? <clears throat> Marie okay. R. Well, okay, let's Claire stop e. with Marie. And, yeah, let's stop with Claire. How about that? Let's stop with Claire. And we'll go Christina, Ann, Loretta, Reba, Nancy, Marie, followed by Claire. So, Christina, get us started. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. in North Carolina. And what a painful paragraph that I have lived over and over and over again. The courage to do battle was not there. The courage to put the food down again and again and again just never came. Courage is the choice and willingness to confront agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. Wow, isn't that life? (laughs) Isn't that life? I don't get away from that. But I got nothing else to use, just like Bill in this paragraph's got nothing else to use. He doesn't know about God at this point point the way he needs to know about god you know i don't know how much he knew 
And I didn't know about God enough at all those points in my life until I came into this program the way I needed to know God. Yesterday at work, I had some very uncomfortable situations. I autopiloted numb, just like it says. Uh, Two bottles in oblivion I didn't use, but I know how to go to autopilot numb without using. But that autopilot numb eats at my soul, and I came home and I was really disconnected. I I laid with that all night. I didn't know why today. uh, What did I go to? I didn't go to the food. I didn't go to the drink. I went to my chair and I spilled out my heart to God. Now, see, this is what we're going to get to. This is what Bill's going to get to. But right now, he doesn't have that. You say, oh, how do I connect with this God? Walking this program, relating in, uh, doing this stuff, even trying in the beginning to just sit and call in that presence into your heart, whatever that means to you, even if it's just uh, like Nancy P. says, I need help. Show me what, what's going on here. You know, <clears throat> everybody has their own way to get there. But without the cultivation of this higher power, without asking God to give me the courage, I got courage, but it's no good. It's failed. It's, it's all in shatters around my feet at this point in my life. I got to have God's courage to walk against this life. I got to go to God. I got to go to my fellows. I won't have a chance in hell as he doesn't, you know. The only way I could handle life was with food. My writhing nerves were stilled over and over and again, but then just like him, I go to hell. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness. I live that so much. It's so painful. But you know what? Remembering that doesn't stop me. If I don't cultivate my program every day, you know, through my prayer and meditation, through reaching out, through not isolating, through keeping my food deeply nutritious and healthy, I will go back, especially if I don't have the God within me, the higher powers in me, the love within me, the breathing out of the heart space, knowing that it's there, that I can go to it and listen. Love you all. With that, I pass. Uh, Thank you so much, Christina. Okay, next. And if you guys could give your last initial in case I I need to find you on the list there. So uh, next up is Anne, followed by Loretta. Anne, good morning. It's your turn. Hi, I'm Ann P. from Maryland, and I just had to share a gay rights drive to work. But what this has been such a miracle for me because I always thought about food. I was always thinking about what I could have to eat, what I could comfort myself with, what would make me feel better. And... I don't think about food now except as fuel for my body, which I am so grateful for. Uh, I have, I teach and I have people give me, you know, little bags of candy and stuff for different things. I put it in my book bag to take home for my son and I forget it's there. And that I could forget that I had candy is like a miracle to me. And I, I, I know that, food obsession it was my whole life for many years and I'm so grateful that it's gone and I keep working with my higher power to keep it that way Pass. oh thank you Anne okay next up we have Loretta followed by Viva Loretta good morning oh Loretta I can't hear you Press star one. 
Hi, Larry. Good morning, all <laughs> along are. with my precious God. You are saving my life. Loretta H. recovered in North Carolina. The remorse, the horror, the hopelessness. Step one, where that dash is, we are powerless over food. That is the hopelessness, and our lives are unmanageable. But because of the work and people like you and everybody on this line who is saving my life, I am not helpless. And um, the courage to do battle. So Bill is at the throes of his disease, um, and it's the progression. This time it won't be different. This time it won't hurt me. No thinking at all. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And that's on page 33. And that was my story. I came in um, in 2001 because my dad had died. He wanted to make amends to me for his alcoholism, and I could not show up for this disease. I have since, with God's grace and mercy, brought his ashes to North Carolina from California, had a military funeral for him, and made peace with that tragic, uh, just just ungrateful um, for anything in my life and um, because I didn't realize my life was unmanageable. I just thought I had a food problem and now I realize I have a soul problem. And this is where I am so grateful for today because today I realized how important my suiting up and showing up, and your suiting up and showing up for me is saving my life. And today I have the privilege, and I call it a privilege, to hear, I'm going to another reboot session, and I'm, I work my steps. Every time a protege works theirs, I work mine. And they, two of them are going to read in the first person the third step. And I believe the third step is my trust fund. I, if I put in an investment into the work, I get the promises with working the steps plus with the prayers, asking for God's guidance and sponsor's guidance and your guidance. I am not helpless. I am hopeless because I am a real compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass surrendered serenity, everybody, and keep it green. This is very green, and I call it green peace. Have a great day. Thanks, Loretta. Okay, page six, first paragraph, if you just fell out of bed. Um, next up is Reva, followed by Nancy R. Good morning, Reva. Good morning, Larry. Uh, this is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Wow, such I, we all have this, you know, huge remember when. Um, it is really difficult um, reading this, um, but I'm really grateful that I can remember when it was Groundhog Day every day and remorse, you know, a torturing sense of guilt for my actions, horror, I thought I was a crazy person, like this Jekyll and Hyde, um, and hopelessness. You know, there's no high resolve in this paragraph. It's just like hopeless. Um, and I see the progression of my disease, not just the physical allergy progression, where it took more and more and more and more to get the same effect. And at some point, there wasn't even an effect. Um, 
and then the thinking. And this is my thinking without a higher power, racing, racing thoughts, thinking I have to battle, I have to muster courage, I, 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 um, and writhing nerves. And you know what? Um, I guess I have to, and you know, seeing how food was the solution, oblivion. We go from luxury to necessity to oblivion. I just want to be unconscious. I just want to numb out. But the reality of life, the reality of what I'm doing is too painful. Please, you know, give me some unawareness. Um, and that was my solution. And I have to watch out in recovery. I can have writhing nerves. I can be terrified, but I get an effect from a different source. Um, and thank you, God, for this simple but not easy program where I put down the alcoholic foods, ingredients, behaviors, work the steps, and I access this power. Um, yeah, this is a bit of a challenging week for me. Um, and God is just taking me one step at a time, one hour at a time, one day at a time. And thank you, God, I can get an effect um, from a different source. Um, and it's good to remember when, um, and I could go back there if I don't keep doing what I need to do and keep growing. Um, and with that, I pass. Oh, thank you, Reva. Okay, next up we have Nancy R. followed by Marie. Nancy, good morning to you. Good morning, Nancy R. Recovered Compulsive of Our Eater in Illinois. Um, wow, uh, this paragraph really hit me this morning. Um, the hopelessness, the despair, um, hold me right back into, um, the hopelessness and despair that I used to live in that I don't live in today because of this program. Um, and it's good to remember because, you know, my, um, crazy addict mind tells me it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, just the other morning, um, as I was on this meeting with all of you, the um, uh, strange twist of the mind was telling me about um, how I should go get all these different combinations of binge foods that I used to eat and um, how good they would be and just do it. It doesn't matter what happens. And um, thankfully, because of this program, working this program, um, as my sponsor says, I'm not responsible for the first thought, um, but I am responsible for the next thought or the next action or what happens next. If I stay in that thought and follow it along, um, it lures me back into the destruction and the despair and the hopelessness. Um, but if I um, reach out and lean in, as someone said this morning, to this program and into my higher power, um, and work the steps um, around those lies that I tell myself, those crazy thoughts, then I continue to live in the freedom. And I don't have to live in the hopelessness and despair. And so um, I can really relate to um, Nancy and Christina's share of um, hopelessness and despair. And like someone else said, the um, Groundhog Day repetitiveness and um, it's good to remember the truth. So I'm glad to be here with all of you and the truth today. And I'm glad that our stories don't end here at step one. 
um, that there is hope and recovery and a power greater than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, next up we have Marie, followed by Claire. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Marie R. from New York. I'm so grateful for this paragraph and the honest shares. Um, you know, I, I normally don't like to share such vulnerability, you know, because I feel like, you know, I'm the only person that just feels so insane right now. Um, I'm on step one. I haven't had any of my alcoholic foods in over a week, but I haven't had a, a spiritual awakening yet to take away this pain, you know, thinking about this Groundhog Day. You know, I feel like I'm at a turning point right now. You know, last night I was up every hour on the hour, soaking wet with anxiety, my heart pounding out of my chest, and thinking how long I've been living like this and so much fear, and just being so unbearable, you know, how can I not go to my alcoholic foods and behaviors and my multitude of addictions, you know, and um, so I'm just gonna, you know, take what I heard on this meeting that, you know, that you guys have been through what I'm feeling right now, and that there's hope, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. It works. It really does. Um, okay, Claire, it's your turn. Good morning. Morning, Larry. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, I'm a recovered bulimic and compulsive eater in the UK. Oh, do you know what? Thank you to the last speaker as well, because I was just um, reminiscing, I suppose, with, with um you know, about when I got abstinence and it was just awful. And the reason it was awful is because the moment I stopped eating, the remorse, horror, hopelessness, brain racing, uncontrollably, itchy, twitchy, bitchy, um, didn't care about, you know, it says the market went to hell and so, you know, I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care about anything really. Um, and just wanting something to take the edge off it. And that's how I used food. I used food as an anesthetic right the way through my life. It was to numb me out. And when I put that food down, it was hard. And um, I found getting abstinent hard. I did not have a pink cloud experience of it. It was white knuckling an awful lot. And thank God, you know, that's not my experience of food today. And I remember in those early days, one of the things that really helped me was just that I had a sort of mantra was the only way out is through. And if I pick up food, I'll have to do this again one day. So I don't know if that's helpful. But um, but yeah, the remorse, horror and hopelessness. I remember waking up each morning and there'd be like a split second where I sort of, it's almost like, like going to sort of go back through, you know, what, what happened the night before. And then there's this like heart sink of, oh God, I did it again. And, you know, I, I remember that really well. And it was just, a, a, I think, you know, talking about surrender at the beginning of the meeting, I think I just surrendered to my illness in the end. I stopped making myself promises. And I think this is where Bill W's got to now. You know, the, the, the paragraph before, he's still renewing his resolve and off he is to fight it again. And I think like Bill, towards the end, I just, 
I just gave in. I knew I was going to eat. Didn't know quite when in the day, but I knew I was going to eat. I didn't even try and fight it. It just, you know, the, the courage to do battle just wasn't there. And I did. I surrendered to my illness. I remember saying to someone, maybe I just need to accept that my lot in life is bulimia and I've just got to try and deal with it the best I can. And, and you know, I, I felt horror and hopelessness. Each time I crossed the line and did something worse with food, I'd get, I'd get this sort of shock, I suppose, that that's the level I sunk to. But very, very quickly that became my new normal and I just didn't care. And I am so grateful that that is not my experience today. And the further I've got away from that, the more sad and pitiful I see it is. And I'm so grateful that I can wake up in the morning now and not have to do a scan of what did I do yesterday? What do I have to, you know, fess up to or, you know, try and address? And and, and I, I have still ceased fighting. I still don't have the fight to do battle with it. I, I, that doesn't work. <laughs> I'll lose. Um, I've got a great friend in the fellowship who says, if you have sex with a gorilla, you ain't done till he's done. And, you know, that's my, that's my truth. Um, I, I still won't win. Um, and, and I don't need to win. I don't need to fight, fight this. Um, all I need to do is practice the steps, the principles of the program, as I've been taught, um, put the daily footwork in and, and, and develop that relationship with my higher power, turn my attention to my spiritual demonstration to to handing you know to really surrendering my will and my life to a power greater than myself and, and doing what I have to do and and I have a clear mind I don't well sometimes my brain races uncontrollably um but you know most of the time I have peace I don't have to rate my mind through what I did what I said what I stole what I hid um where I threw up well what all that daily life I don't have to do that anymore my life is much more simple and um yeah I have peace and I have peace and neutrality around my food and you know it wasn't that way when I first got abstinent I absolutely struggled with it so um so yeah that's my experience and I'll ask with that thank you oh thank you Clara okay before I take some more names we're on page six in Bill's story the first paragraph it starts the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning. So with that, who would like to share? Hi, this is Sherry. Yes, I'd like to share. Boy, I'm missing some of these guys. Jennifer C. Sherry, yes. Terry, Jennifer. Lisa L. Lisa, Russ. Adele R. Something R. I missed that. Adele. Adele. <laughs> Thank you, Adele. Coming off tour. Adele is with us. Good morning. Um, I missed someone at the top. At the top. Um, very first person. It was a bit jumbled. I heard Terry, Jennifer, Lisa, Russ, Adele. Oh, Rivka? R? Larry, that might have been me. I think I was first. This is Sherry S. from Deerfield. Sherry. And it got jumbled okay. out with everybody. Yeah, don't call yeah that please. happens. Okay, let's stop there, okay? And let me tell you who I heard. I heard Sherry at the top, Rivka, uh, Terry, Jennifer, Lisa, Russ, and Adele. Um, and we'll see if, if we can get through. So let's start with Sherry, followed by Rivka. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sherry S. I'm a grateful, compulsive reader, um, and I'm so grateful to have found these rooms. So that's part of my story here. Um, October 2018, I was I was thinking I'd been out of a room from compulsive reading um, for four years, and um, this 
I, I was trying so desperately, or I didn't even see how how the food had taken over again. Um, I have two diseases, and I want to share this because part of my recovery and part of my disease are intertwined with depression. And I find that when I share this, I don't feel so alone anymore. And so I was spiraling down um, from even enjoying any bit of life. Um, I gained a lot of the weight I lost originally in my in the program I had been, and I I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what to do. And that, there's a there's a moment in my life um, where I actually looked up at in the up at the ceiling of my home and said, God, when was the last time I was happy? And He answered me. Clearly, I heard Him tell me that was when I was in the rooms of recovery. Fast forward to um, December, just before New Year's Eve, I was also so depressed. I couldn't even almost get out of the house. I was still functioning somewhat, but it didn't feel like it. And um, I made the decision to come back into the rooms. And so I've been here now for about five years. But I want to talk about the remorse and horror and hopelessness of being in the rooms and even being abstinent. But what, that remorse for me was losing connection to my higher power, questioning whether or not God could do for me what I couldn't do for myself. And I was getting up the same feelings as if I were eating the flour, the sugar, whatever you want to call it. My brain was racing. I had a terrible sense of impending calamity. Um, again, depression. The, the food brings me into such a deep depression. I can manage my depression with the help of a medication, but when it becomes out of control, it's and when my thoughts become out of control or my disconnect becomes out of control, I don't know what to do. And so in July, I made a decision to join these rooms. And I know that these rooms have helped me see so much sunlight and so much hope again. And I still have bad days but they're not horrible days. And um, and I also know that food won't fix it. That's the one thing that, thank God, I don't take back. I don't take my food back. So for today, I'm just grateful that I get to hear people like our moderator um, on Vision and all the other people that I know and recognize voices. And I am just grateful to be here and that there is hope. Even in the rooms, I was spiraling out. Even in abstinence I was spiraling out and I hear someone say it's God I heard this God is certainly first the first thing I need is God my abstinence my abstinence my abstinence and I'm just grateful and that with that I pass and I thank all of you for helping me today with my recovery thank you Sherry okay next up we have Ripka followed by Terry Ripka good morning Good morning. Hi, Larry, and um, thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rifka R., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Baltimore. Uh, Yeah, this paragraph, um, remorse, the horror, the hopelessness of the next morning. I mean, all all week, you know, I would overeat, and I would do crazy things, and going from, you know, store to store, eating boxes of things. But I, I, um, you know, I, I would... I, I wasn't waking up the next morning, you know, um, with a horror. <laughs> I was kind of like, well, okay, this is like what I do. 
Um, but come the weekend and Sabbath, where, you know, big meals with people together, it's supposed to be a time to connect with God. It's a very spiritual time. And, um, oh, man, uh, the eating would be so intense that I would, by the time Saturday night came, um, my stomach was so overfilled with food that I, I literally, I'm not bulimic. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't try to vomit, but I, I would have to vomit because I couldn't take the, um, excuse me, but like the burping up of the rotten eggs and taste from my stomach was just so horrible. I, I, I had, I would have to, you know, relieve it from my stomach. And then, you know, my face would be all broken out uh, from the vomiting. And uh, Sunday morning, I would have that remorse and horror and hopelessness and have to fast because um, and with the same cycle, the crazy, insane cycle, oh, every every week and, and fasting because I just couldn't take in any – the thought of food at that point was, was horrible. Um, but I – and I, you know, have that – um, swearing off, okay, I'm not going to do this again. And then, you know, would come Monday, and Monday I'd feel a little better, and then, it, you know, the overeating would start again and and ramp up uh, till the next Sabbath when I do the same thing again. And, you know, the courage to do battle was not there. I just, I, I tried all sorts of things where I would say, okay, I'm just not going to try anymore. Like, I'm going to accept this is how it's going to be. This is my life. This is how I'm going to look. This is my new normal. Just try to accept it, and but I couldn't. I I did. I, I just I couldn't. So I'd try. I, I would have um, goodbye parties to 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 food. Like I'd have. I'm going to buy all the chocolate I could ever want to eat, because in my mind, what I told myself was that the reason why I overate was that um, I felt I always felt guilty when I ate. Well, then now I'm going to buy it. And not feel guilty. I'm just going to eat it all, and then I'm never going to eat it again. <laughs> um, you know that that was going to bring me freedom from from chocolate. <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing that brought me was you know wanting to do it again and again and again. So um, I I, I love what I heard on the meeting yesterday that I had no choice. It will be it will become my God, and that was that's what that's what it was for me. And. Um, the only Just thing that, that, okay, I'm going to wrap up with this, that, you know, thank God that um, I can have that freedom today. So with that, I will pass. Thanks. Oh, thanks so much, Ritka. Okay, next up we have Terry, followed by Jennifer. Good morning, Terry. Terry, Terry press star one. Okay, uh, and, and maybe I missed, uh, maybe I, I didn't have the right name. So let, let's go on to Jennifer. Jennifer, followed by Lisa. Jennifer? Jennifer, press star one. Good morning. Good morning. This there is Jennifer C. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Jennifer C., Greenville, South Carolina. Um, so... So what I think about when I read this paragraph is that the, you know, the picture that's being painted for us very clearly through Bill's story is that, you know, he keeps thinking that he's done. He keeps thinking that he's done. And 
second paragraph in more about alcoholism tells me that the first step of my recovery is that I concede to my innermost self, the deepest part of who I am, that I am the real deal. I am a real alcoholic when it comes to food. And the implication of that is that I'm not done. I'm not done. I think I'm done, but I'm not done. And the reality is that until and unless I get an entire psychic change, until and unless God becomes my only defense, I'm not done. And that's what we see in Bill's story. And that's what I understood through my story was that I kept coming out of these horrible binges. You know, and even while I was in the midst of a binge, I'd say to myself, let this be the worst of them so that it's your rock bottom, as if I had control over creating my rock bottom, right? But I kept thinking, I got to hit bottom. I guess I haven't hit bottom. So let me go eat, you know, more and throw up more so that I hit bottom and then I'll be done and then I'll be done and then I'll be done. But the reality for us is if we fully concede to our innermost selves that we're the real deal, that we have this thing, then we know that we're not done. And we need a power greater than ourselves to rescue us. That's it. That's our only shot. We can't control being done. And I have to know that in the deepest place of who I am. And it's not because of of any other reason, but because I'm a real alcoholic, right? Bill was brilliant. Bill was absolutely brilliant. He wanted to do right by his wife. He wanted to reach his potential, like we all do, right? But the reality is and was that he was powerless. And so am I today. But thank God I have one defense. His name is God. And he protects me from taking that first compulsive bite. And here's what I can say. Even though we can't control when we're done, what we can do is commit to making calls every time we want to eat, to going to meetings so that we feel part of this community. We can focus our attention on the action steps instead on being done, right? And I love you all. With that, I pass. Thank you, Jennifer. Okay, next up we have Lisa followed by Russ. Lisa, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Lisa M. and I'm from Virginia. Thanks everybody for doing service here in the meeting. And the sentence that I want to hone in on is the courage to do battle is just not there. And um, for me and my compulsive eating, um, I've always been a believer in God my whole life, or not my whole life, but <laughs> for a large portion of my life. And um, I had just uh, lost the resolve to do battle in this particular area of my life. Um, there's another book that talks about a man who um, had a thorn in his flesh and um, he sought God three times to have it removed. And, you know, the response was his, God's grace was sufficient. And that's where I was in my spiritual thinking and all of my um, religiosity, I'll say, that this this disease, this compulsion, this desire to eat way more than I needed was just a thorn in my flesh and it was going to be with me and God's grace would just have to be enough. Um, it wasn't like I was going to not serve God or not love God. I was still going to serve him. I was still going to love him. But this um, issue, so to speak, that I had would just be with me. 
and that's that's that was my resolve. That's where I was. I had stopped even trying. I had stopped even the courage. I didn't have the courage to do battle anymore. Um, and about three and a half years ago, someone, my sister, um, you know, introduced me to OA, and then uh, after that to a vision for you, and came here and realized that that did not have to be my resolve. Um, God's grace is enough, but I did not have to live with his grace in the compulsion of the disease. I could um, be free one day at a time by his grace and by his mercy, and he did not want me to live in that in that, um, in that way. So the courage to do battle um, is there. Every single day I do the work to um, stay in a recovered state. Um, Again, just one day at a time, by his grace, by his mercy only, just putting in the work. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa. Next up, we have Russ, followed by Adele. Good morning, Russell. Larry, Larry, good morning. Good morning, family. Uh, Russ M., recovered compulsive overeater from Norristown, PA. So I, I, I like that sentence, too. The, the courage to do battle is not there. My whole life. I've been fighting. I don't know why, just what it is. Uh, maybe in my mind, I think I'm an underdog. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Even now, I still fight a little bit in many other aspects of my life. But I was so beat up and battered and sick that that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me with regards to this disease, that I had no courage to fight anymore. I was in the perfect position for God to help me. Because I had no other option. Either I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust or uh, surrender to the God that I say I trust with all that BS. I'm this big God guy. I'm gonna actually surrender to Him and give Him my life and every aspect of my life, or I'm gonna die. And that's the gist of what I wanted to say today. When I read that. It wasn't the remorse and, you know, the horror and the hopelessness, because I live in that. I still live in that in some ways today. I'm a human being. It pops up. It was bad when I was eating, and it was bad when I wasn't eating. But that courage to fight was a blessing that it was taken from me, because I couldn't have been helped if I didn't, if I had no other options. So I, I had to, I quit. I, I said, I quit, Lord. You got to help me out. So that's all I got to say. Y'all have a good day. Love you. Love you, Ross. Okay, next up we have Adele. Good morning, Adele. Good morning. Thank you. I'm Adele R. Very gratefully recovered. So touched by the shares this morning. Everybody everybody is telling my story. Um, And that's the power I found immediately in these rooms when I heard the hopelessness, the the just the certainty that this food thing was it was not going to stop, and the twelve and twelve says every instinct within us cries out against powerlessness, and I had never come to the idea that I wouldn't fix it with the next diet, with the next scale, with the next plan, with the next nutritionist, with the next thing. Um, but I had the gift of somebody planting in my mind, no, you won't. You won't fix it. And I heard that, like the big book says, the gates of hell clang around you. And I was like, oh, my God, that is true. I am never going to fix this. 
and I've heard that. I'm so grateful for uh, the newcomer on the line speaking my story. And I'm so grateful for the recovery we're hearing this morning. Um, the instinct also in the medical opinion in the back of the book it says the organization of Alcoholics Anonymous calls on two of the greatest powers known to man, connection to a higher power and the instinct to connect with our fellows and associate. It calls it the herd instinct. And so today I find that I can live in neutrality from food and that I can connect with folks who understand uh, my story. And I am just so grateful to get my BFF who's on the other end of the phone. I spend a lot of time on the phone um, working the tools of this program, picking up the medicine that is these steps and sharing, receiving 10 steps, sharing 10 steps, just working the program of recovery that's been laid at my feet. And today I'm grateful. I'm gratefully recovered, compulsive eater, and I have to work it every day. Thanks to all of you on this line. Have a good day. I pass. Thanks, Adele. Okay, we have time for a two-minute share. Who wants that? Jim S. in Toledo. That's my guy. Hey, Jim, go go for it. Good morning. Hey, good morning. My name's Jim S. I'm an impulsive overeater in Toledo, Ohio. Monday night, I drank. I wanted to drink because the misery was so bad. I I wanted to turn to alcohol, so I did. I had one drink. Um, it didn't. It didn't do what I was thinking it was going to do. And then yesterday, I drank again, and it was beginning to do what I wanted it to do, and that was to help me forget my misery. And last night, I had an opportunity to drink again, and I turned it down. And this morning, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I wanted to get back to recovery. God is great. God is good. He doesn't want me to perish. He wants me to thrive. And thank you for taking me, taking my call this morning. I wanted so bad to get on here, but I don't want to say empty words. I want to say words that have life in them. And I and I can stop eating. It gives me the 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 power to stop eating. I don't have to eat. And even if I want to, I don't have to. And I didn't have that before. So thank you, Overeaters Anonymous, for being in existence. Have a good day, everybody. Jim, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, I'd like to thank, uh, that's a wrap for us. I'd like to thank everyone who participated today. Uh, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study that will immediately follow closing. Let me give you the share ID for today's meeting. That number uh, is 21,175. That's 21175. We're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164. I don't know. We're going to follow that by the serenity prayer, I think, right? So, well, Vanessa G., will you um, please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. I sure will. Thank you. This is Vanessa G., recovered in New Mexico. Thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting.
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.